So if you have your Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. We've been in this series on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're calling it Red Letters. And the reason why we're calling it Red Letters is because a lot in a lot of Bibles, the words of Jesus are in red letters. But this is Jesus' longest message to us in the Bible. So if Jesus were going to preach us a sermon... This is what Jesus preached in Matthew 5, chapters 5 through 7. This is called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's all about the kingdom of God. And some of this stuff, when we look at it, it might be new information to you and me. Like it might be something we're like, man, I've never heard that before. That's really cool. I need to apply that to my life right now. But for some of it, it might be stuff that you already know, that you've already heard. And the danger that you and I run into when we come across information that we already know is that we check out of it and we just kind of check it off the list like, OK, I already know that. But we do this at our own peril. A friend of mine used to say this, asking if we know something or not is far less helpful than asking how good are we doing at it. So you can say, do I know this or not? You might say when we read these passages, yeah, I know this. I, I, I see what Jesus is saying here. I've heard Jesus say it before. I know it. But don't just check it off. Ask yourself, how good am I doing at it? For example, I could say to myself, uh, do you know that you, Jeff, are supposed to be kind and patient to your spouse, Liz? Yes, I know that. But asking myself, how good am I doing at that? is a completely different question. Is everybody tracking with me? So we have to be asking ourselves, when Jesus is talking about these things, he's talking about how uh, he was, we're salt and light, and he's talk, today we're, ta we're talking about anger and, and retaliation and reconciliation. When we talk about these things, we can't just say, yeah, I know that. We need to ask ourselves, how good are we doing at it? I I've told this story before, but I had a basketball coach one time pull me aside in the middle of practice because I wasn't running a play right. And if you ever had a coach like grab you by the back of your jersey right here, like like you, you know that this is going to be a, a good conversation. But I knew what I did wrong. I knew what I did wrong. And as he was talking to me, the only thing that I could say because I wanted to get out of the conversation because it was that kind of conversation with the jersey hand on the back of my jersey was I know, I know, I know, coach, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what I should be doing. And he said, Jeff, don't tell me that, you know, do it. Don't tell me that, you know, it. Do it. And so as we're looking at these passages, as we're looking at the simple things that the Bible is telling us to do, don't just stop with saying, yeah, I know that. Let's ask ourselves, how are we doing at it? So in week one, when we talked about this, we looked at the background of the Sermon on the Mount and we talked about how the theme of Matthew is that the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is here on earth through the person of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came to bring good news to oppressed people. In week two, we looked at the Beatitudes. And these are talking about how in circumstances and our, our feelings and all this stuff. But God, God's blessing for us is not based on those things, but it's based on our position in him. It's not based on our circumstances. It's based on who we are in him. So we don't have to be led by our feelings. How I many of you guys have had bad day this past week. You can get through a bad day and you can still be blessed in the midst of a bad day because you live with the power of Christ inside of you, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's really good, right? That's good. Uh, the Beatitudes shows that God's blessing 
are also a, contradictor, a contradiction to what the world chases after. And then in week three, we talked about how in Christ we're agents of change. We're salt and light in the world. And then we, Jesus talked about how like our righteousness should exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. And what that means is like our righteousness. Think about the most righteous person, the most Christian person that you know, like you're you have to be more righteous than them. And it might seem like, well, that's impossible. Yeah, it is impossible. That's because Jesus righteousness is the righteousness, righteousness that you and I wear. And so as we're walking this out, we have to constantly acknowledge Jesus role in our life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and how that allows us to have righteousness with God, how it allows us to be perfect with God, not of our own work, but because of what Jesus did for us. So today that gets us to Matthew chapter five, verse 21. So let's read it. Matthew five, verse 21. This is the next thing Jesus says. You have heard it said it was said in, to those of, of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable for judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the fire of hell. All right, let's talk about anger. How many of you guys have been anger, angry in the past 24 hours? How many of you guys have been angry on your way to church this morning? How many of you guys driving in Phoenix traffic, which is completely understandable, have been angry, right? We get angry. Like anger is something that we constantly deal with, that we are, that we have to, it's, it's part of our lives. And so we have to understand what Jesus teaches us about anger. And we have to see that, that, it, that it's just something that, that we, we've got to learn from and we've got to work towards. How many of you would say that you're someone who has a temper? We have tempers in the room. You know, I, I, I would say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a temper person. I, I have a temper. Uh, when I was younger, I used to have a really bad temper, like really bad temper. And so much so that I actually had to ask God to help me with it. And he did. Liz would tell you today that I'm a different person than the person that she married because I had to let the spirit get my anger under control. Here's the thing about anger. Anger is not good for you, at least in a form. Studies show this, that within two hours of an angry outburst, your risk of heart attack and stroke skyrockets. In regards to your anger, most people think that this is that anger is like divided into two groups, those who get angry and those who don't, those who erupt and those who are easygoing. Uh, but then there's the, there's the people who are like I used to be. And that's where the world outside thinks, oh, he's easygoing. But the people that are closest to me know that I get angry. And some of us live like that, too. The truth is everyone gets angry. We just express it in different ways. And Jesus talks to us about our anger. He says that it, 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 it is dangerous to us. We got to watch out for it. Uh, a pastor and author, his name's Tim Keller. He, he said this, that anger is actually a form of corrupted love. What does that mean? That means anger is love in motion. When something that we care about or, or we love is threatened, this makes me angry in, in and of itself, you know, because, because it, it, something that I love is getting threatened. Anger may not be good or bad. It, it just means that it's, it's not necessarily right or wrong, but, but it means that, that, that something that I love is being threatened and that my anger rises up against that. What does that mean? I know this only happens in my house uh, but let me talk to the dads for a second. Have you ever been watching a game 
And that little toddler somehow has this radar that can find a way to stand in the perfect spot. Albert's laughing because he knows it's true between you and the TV to completely block your view. And you can't see the game anymore because the toddler's standing between you and the TV. And then what do you do? You yell at the toddler, get out of the way. What are you standing there for? Right. Has that ever happened to you? Happened to me. Right. I, I do that. Yeah. And what, what does that say? I mean, we laugh at it. It's funny. But what does that say? Why does that make me angry? It's because for that moment, I cared about what was happening on the TV. Do I care about what's happening on the TV more than my toddler? No. But do I care about it in that moment? Yeah. Because the toddler was getting in the way of what I loved to do, what I wanted to do in that moment. And so my anger rose up because what I loved, what I was what I wanted in that moment was getting threatened. The child was threatening my participation in watching the game. It seems messed up when you put it like that, but it's true. But there are some times when when we should get angry at things. When we see on television, we see uh, atrocities committed in the world, anger that is expressed shows that innocent people are being threatened. And so it's okay to be angry with that. One of these angers is good. Another one of these angers is bad. So when we look at our anger, we need to realize that it's not good or bad in and of itself. Rather, it's an expression of the goodness or wickedness in our own heart. Anger is simply an indicator for those of us who want to be live in, in the spirit led lives and empowered lives. Indicators actually can be very helpful indicators for you. Whenever you whenever I say indicators, these are like signposts. These are like, hey, something's going on that you need to pay attention to. Something's happening here. You need to pay attention to it. And that's what anger is. It's just an indicator in our lives. They show us how we're doing. Not if we know it but how we're doing. If you're constantly dealing with bad anger, then that shows that you need God's help to prioritize things in your life better. If you're getting angry because the kid is standing in front of you and between you and the TV, that shows that the priorities of your life may be a little messed up. Jesus got angry. There was a, a story in, in uh, John chapter two where people would make this pilgrimage to the temple of, to, make, to worship and uh, to make sacrifices because of the long journey. They would carry their sacrifices with them. Some uh, people then decided that they would take advantage of these people. And when they uh, when they couldn't carry sacrifices with them, they would charge them an exorbitant amount of money to to uh, to purchase animals at the temple so that they could make their sacrifices. And over time, they were taking advantage of people and they were gouging the prices. In John chapter two, this is what Jesus did in the temple. This is verse 14 in the temple. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. This is Jesus we're talking about. The perfect son of God and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Jesus anger was an expression that people who wanted to have an honest who had this honest desire to worship God were having that desire taken advantage of by others. Anger identifies what's most important to you. Anger is an indicator of worship. Uh, Tim Keller continues and he says this, there's nothing wrong with getting angry, 
But if someone like if we're talking about your, your reputation, something that someone says about you, but if someone slights your reputation, why are you 10 times more likely to be just angry with that than you are hor seeing horrible, violent injustice on the television being done to other people? It's because that what happens is, is that our love of ourselves is what was slighted. Our love of ourselves is what was slighted. If, if you're really looking for uh, significance and security, people's approval, and then what happens is when someone slights you and they get in between that desire, then you become inexplicably angry. You have to have approval. You have to be over the top. And this anger, you can't just shrug off when someone does this to you, when they slight you, when they, they upset you. Because what that does, again, anger is just an indicator. That's all it is, is it showing that your pride just got stepped on. Your pride just got hurt. And if we find ourselves getting angry or when we get snubbed or, or being cut off in traffic or getting unrecognized at work or, or having ideas shut down or feeling underappreciated by our spouse, the problem might be that we love ourselves too much. That might be the, that might be the indicator that we have to pay attention to. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give opportunity to the devil. Let's read what Jesus said again in, in, in verse 21 and 22. You've heard it said in the days of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders is liable for judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. He who insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the, uh, the hell of fire. When anger is misplaced, it identifies that we are breaking two of the most basic but greatest commandments that Jesus gave us. In Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love the, your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and, of, and the prophets. When we worship God with all that we are, then and only then can we love our neighbor. And so what Jesus is teaching us here, when he's talking about us being careful with our anger, being mindful of our anger, paying attention to our anger, watching out for it, just knowing that this is an indicator that we have to be careful with. What he's saying to us is that God is just as concerned with our relationships with other people than he is with our relationship with him. God cares about your relationships with other people. You can't have this fantastic relationship with God and be trash to other people. It's not possible. It's not possible. And so you might, you might have known somebody, you might have met someone who says all the right things spiritually, who talks the good game, who acts a certain way, but when it comes to personal interactions with other people, they treat other people horribly. And what Jesus is saying here is, guys, this cannot happen. This is not what I want as part of my kingdom. God is just, just as concerned with our relationships with others as he is our relationship with him. Anger demands that you and I listen to what's going on inside of us. Anger demands that you and I listen to what's going on inside of us. This could be as complicated as self-centeredness, but it also could be simple. How many of you guys have ever heard the term hangry? 
Anybody ever, you ever been hangry? Do you know what hangry means? Hangry means is that the only reason you're angry right now is that you're hungry. Just put a Snickers in your mouth or something and you'll be good to go, right? Anybody been like that? I get like that, right? I get, you know what I really get like? I get what, what uh, they don't, this is not an actual word. I just made it up last night. Uh, tangry, I get tired angry, right? I get, when I'm tired, I'm ready to go to bed, you know? Like I, 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 I get angry. Like if you don't, don't let me go to bed, I'm, I'm angry. Just need to sleep. You just need to sleep and you're good to go. But again, both these angers, whether we're talking about something as complicated as I, look, I view myself too much, like I, I, my, I'm too self-centered, I'm too narcissistic, I, I have a too high view, my, my pride is out of control, and I'm getting angry because I'm getting slighted. Or if it's something as simple as I just need to eat, anger is an indicator that tells me that I need to pay attention to something that's going on inside of me. And so when you get angry, when you get upset, when you're 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 uh, you're you you feel like yourself is lashing out and you you want to engage someone just really aggressively. Anger demands that we pay attention to our inner lives. Anger demands that we pay attention to our inner lives. Some of us, we don't ever think about what's happening inside of us. We don't ever think about, man, what, how good am I doing at this? How good am I doing at being a Christian? How good am I? Like, we don't have those thoughts. We don't think about what's going on. But our anger demands that we pay attention to what's going on inside. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, Jesus continues. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come back and offer your gift. So what Jesus is saying is if you're at the altar, if you're worshiping, if you're in the middle of church service and your hands are lifted and you're praising God, but you remember that someone has something against you, just stop what you're doing, go make it right, and then you can come back and worship. Does that, is that any more clear that God cares about our relationships with each other? That God cares about what, what, how we interact with other people? Jesus is teaching us that we must care about our relationships with others just as much as we worship because that makes our worship acceptable. You can't carry anger and wrath and rage and bitterness and all these things inside of you and your worship be acceptable to God. You just can't. You can't do it. At some point, you have to press pause in your worship and you have to go make it right. The question that I would ask is, how many of our prayers go unanswered? How many times do we pray and it feels like there's like a ceiling above us and nothing's ever happening? Or our worship time just feels like, like we're just going through the motions simply because we're carrying petty divisions with other people. Petty divisions, stuff that doesn't really even matter when eternity, and we're carrying it. Matthew uh, 25, or 525, Jesus continues, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put into prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid every penny. Again, Jesus goes back, or Paul said in, in Ephesians 4, don't let the sun go down of your, on your anger. What, here's here's a, a phrase that we have all probably heard. You ever heard that um, time heals all wounds? You ever heard that? Time heals all wounds? It's garbage. Time doesn't heal all wounds. 
What happens a lot of times, the Bible teaches us is that stuff will only get worse. The Bible teaches us that the only thing that heals relationships is sacrifice. That's what the Bible teaches. The only thing that heals relationships is sacrifice. When your relationship was broken with God, when my relationship was broken with God, what healed that relationship? Was it that I didn't sin in a period of time long enough for God to find acceptable? No, that's not what happened. Jesus came and he died. He laid down his life for that relationship to be restored. What the Bible teaches is not that time fixes things. It's that sacrifice fixes things. And so by laying down my pride and my anger and laying down my offense and laying down my weapons and laying down my love of myself, that's the example that Jesus gives us. And so for many of us that want to say the best way for me to handle conflict and strife is just to bury it deep and pretend it never happened. That's not what makes things better. Things won't get better like that. Sacrifice, sacrificial love, laying down your pride, laying down your anger. That's what heals things. Now, caveat, if someone in your life is toxic, and they are just in and you have tried and tried and tried. Sometimes the healthiest thing for you to do is put some distance there in your life. Put some distance and turn them over to God. That's a biblical thing to do. Turn them over to God and you don't have to continue interacting with them. So there's a healthy thing of us separating and saying, you know what? I, I'm not going to allow this relationship to keep hurting me. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I continue to be abused and hurt and like this, this person because of what they're dealing with is just going to attack me indefinitely. The Bible doesn't say that you have to stay there. What it does say is that you, you can put some distance there, but you need to turn that person over to God and really pray that God heals them. And helps them. And so, again, when we're talking about getting in and laying down our pride and trying to heal relationships, you don't have to do this with someone who is continually going to be abusive in your life. We must turn. We must come to terms with our offenses quickly. This has practical implications in our own lives. If you like, I don't know if you've been in this situation. I was in this situation when I was younger, if we couldn't pay a bill, Liz and I couldn't pay a bill, it was far better for us to contact the company and say, hey, look, we can't pay this right now, but we're working on it. We can do this like that. You got, this is basic adulting stuff, right? We can do this, but I, I just need, I need some time. I need some help. I need some whatever for us to get around the corner for me to do this. In the same way, when I owe someone an apology, when I owe someone a reconciliation, when I owe someone trying to build the bridge back again, I I need to take care of it quickly. And that's what Jesus is saying. Take care of this quickly. Don't let it fester. Don't let it wait. Don't let it hang out. Don't let it do those things because the more you do it, the more people are going to get hurt. The more people are going to get hurt, the more you're going to get hurt. And so Jesus says, come to terms quickly with the person that you have that's accusing you. Come to terms quickly with people, like just make it work. And what I'm what my prayer is for you is maybe as we're talking today, that maybe the Holy Spirit would speak to you and you could think about some relationships that you have that are fractured. You can think about some conflict that you've been in that, that you may need to say, you know what, I, I might not have 
relationship with this person. I might not be, like they be in my life every day, but you know what I need to do is I need to have do something to where I'm I'm trying to love them and, and serve them and, and give them a, a road back to being healed and re- let this relationship be healed with God. We don't want hurt to fester in our own lives. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. If you are hurt, you're just going to hurt other people. The people that are hurting you, they're hurting you because they're hurt. And so we need to be people that are healed. We need to be people that are free. We need to be people that don't carry uh, anger and bitterness and burdens and, and wrath. We, don't, we need to be people that don't carry these things because we want to be people that bring healing into every relationship that we need, that we come into. And so Jesus gives us the ability to do this. So many people look through life through a lens of pain. You just need to go on social media and spend five minutes on there. So many people look at life through a lens of pain. It's not just and everything that they do, every issue, it shades every relationship, every conversation. They're going to talk about it because it just hurts. They're with hurt. But what I want for you, what I want to see God do in your life is I want to see God bring healing in your life. I want to see God bring wholeness. I want to see God bring just any bitterness or wrath or rage. I want to see God bring healing to that so that when you walk, you're not walking, looking through a lens of pain, but you're walking, looking through a lens of freedom. Jesus resurrection breaks the power of sin in our lives. And this is not just our own sin, but this is the sin of other people that have affected me, that's affected you. So questions today. Have you ever seen a bad relationship affect your relationship with God? Is there one now? Is there a relationship that you have? Is there something in your past? Is there uh, uh, maybe it's a a, a former pastor? Maybe it's a former uh, business associate. Maybe it's someone. And and that bad relationship has affected your relationship with God. Listen, today you can give that to God. You can say, God, I'm not going to carry this anymore. I'm not going to carry bitterness. I'm not going to carry anger. I'm not going to carry it anymore. You can ask God to help you with that. And what does that mean? Again, what we're saying is we're not saying like, hey, let's just every toxic relationship that I've ever been. Let me go try to get back in the middle of it. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is that, God, I pray your blessing. I pray your favor on their life. I pray that you would forgive them, that you would love them and they would turn to you. I can do that without being in a daily relationship with someone. But it, it, what it does is it takes the bitterness out of my own heart. It takes the brokenness out of my own heart and it gives it to God. Second question, who is someone that you need to repair a relationship with? Again, anger is simply an indicator. And what I want you to do this week is when you get angry, when you get upset, when you just feel that blood pressure start to rise, ask yourself, God, what's going on inside of me right now? What's happening inside of me? Is it healthy or is it something that I need to turn to you? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us 
these emotions to that are raw and that show us really what's happening inside of us. And Lord, we we know that sometimes there's good happening there, but many times I know from my own life there's bad. But I thank you that you gave us these indicators. You gave us these signs to say where we need your help. And so today, all of us across this room, I pray for your help. Your help to help us bring healing, bring health, bring wholeness, bring forgiveness, bring love, bring peace into every relationship that we have. Father, for those who are in here today and they're carrying hurt, they're carrying bitterness, they're carrying brokenness. God, I pray for freedom today in Jesus' name. Freedom from the pain that some of us may have been carrying for years and that our anger just constantly pops up and it's just a sign of that pain. But God, I pray for freedom in Jesus' name. Jesus, I thank you that you not only died for our sins, but you rose for our freedom. And so today I pray that we would have that life-giving power inside of us to bring health and healing into every relationship that we have.